I love the anticipation of Christmas. My daughter, Mila, could not be more excited this year for Christmas. She wants an ice cream truck, or ice cream cart this year. I have a picture for you guys. Here it is. This, she talks about this thing every single day, and I, I just feel like I'm really doing a great job as a father because when she grows up, she wants to have an ice cream cart. Um, she calls it an ice cream shopping cart, and we have this magazine that she founded in, and she looks at this every single day. I have another photo for you guys. She stares at it all day long. She talks to the photo. She says, you're so cutie. I love you, right? She just stares at it while she's watching TV. She tells everyone about her ice cream shopping cart that she's going to get for Christmas, and she could not be more excited about it. And there's a lot of anticipation in my house for Christmas this year. And there was a lot of anticipation for the Jewish people for their Messiah to come. They had been waiting since they had the promise from David that there would be one who would save them. And he would come through David's bloodline. And every single day they lived in anticipation for their Messiah to come. And they, they pictured him coming as a strong leader, as a warrior, and they were waiting and waiting. See, here's the problem. From the time the book of Malachi ends in the Old Testament till God speaks again in what we know as the New Testament, there was a gap of 400 years. God seemingly went silent. There were no more prophets to share his direction to the people. It seemed like they were all alone. That's more than four generations waiting on a promise that never heard anything. And that can be something really difficult to go through. For some Jewish people, they began to think that the Messiah was a myth. Others lost their faith because they couldn't wait any longer. Others turned to different religions because sometimes Waiting on a promise can be really difficult. We're not so good at waiting. We live in a culture right now that wants everything right away. I mean, we have Amazon Prime. If something shows up on the third day when it's supposed to show up on the second day, we feel like our world is ending. If your fuzzy socks show up a little bit late, you're going to make it, I promise, right? We have such a difficult time waiting. But what about when it's something serious? What about when it's something that you've been praying for breakthrough for a really long time. Proverbs 13, 12 12 tells us that hope deferred makes the heart sick. And when you're waiting for a, a long time, it can feel like you get sick to your stomach when you are waiting for that breakthrough. But my hope this morning is to give you some hope through Scripture. Because even when it seems like God is silent, it does not mean that he is absent. He is at work in these times. And this is so important for us. It's so important that we recognize this because there is going to be a time in our life where we go through something similar. Where it seems like God has gone completely silent and we will have a choice to make. Will we keep going to church When it seems like God isn't doing anything, will we keep praying? Will we keep believing when it seems like God is so distant? It's a difficult thing to go through. But God is doing something in us during those times of waiting. And some of us will be tempted like the Jewish people 
some of the Jewish people to walk away. And you will have a choice to make. Will you hold your ground? Will you keep hope in your heart? Or will you walk away? And I think as we look at the Christmas story today together, we're going to see an answer. We're going to be looking at the book of Luke. And Luke tells us that the Christmas story doesn't begin with the angel going to Mary. And actually, the truth of that on a bigger picture is that the Christmas story was Jesus' plan, God's plan all along to send Jesus. That was it from the very beginning. But Luke tells us it actually begins with Mary's cousin, Elizabeth, and her husband, Zachariah. And God was foreshadowing one of the greatest miracles that would ever happen with a smaller one, to let his people know a little bit earlier that something amazing was about to happen that would change the world forever. So we're going to start in Luke chapter 1, verse 5. It says this. In the time of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah who belonged to the priestly division of Abiha. His wife, Elizabeth, was also a descendant of Aaron. Both of them were righteous in the sight of God, observing all the Lord's commands and decrees blamelessly. These people were the real deal. They were living their life on that promise. Zechariah was a priest. He still showed up to the temple every day and prayed and believed that his breakthrough, his Messiah would come one day, even though he had waited so long. And they were descendants of Aaron, who was the brother of Moses, and they were blameless in the eyes of the Lord. They followed God with everything that they had. Let's go to verse 7. But they were childless because Elizabeth was not able to conceive. And they both were very old. So despite their obedience, which we learn about in the verses before, they are without child. And that could be something really difficult for a couple to go through. And here's what I want to tell you is that sometimes in our lives, we feel like if we do all the right things, if we follow all of God's commandments, bad things sh- should never happen to us. We, we should never walk through difficult things, but we just see in Scripture over and over again that that is not true. They, they were blameless. And sometimes we feel like when we're blameless, we should be able to ask God for anything. And because we're blameless, we should get that answer immediately. But the truth is, God gives favor when he wants to give favor, and he moves when he wants to move. And, and it doesn't depend on our obedience. It depends on on our Savior. And so we can draw the opposite truth that if in your life that you have gotten things wrong, if you have broken commandments, it doesn't mean that God won't answer any of your prayers again either. See, it all depends on Him and who He is. And God looks at the heart. And so some of you are sitting here today and you feel like because you have broken some commands, because you have been far from God, that He could never answer any of your prayers, that he could never truly be close to you in your life. That is not true. There is one thing that our God looks at, and that's the heart, and he looks for a broken and contrite spirit, and he will not turn away the person that has that heart. And so if that's you today, God is with you. But we see right here, even though they were blameless, they were still without child. And it seemed like a really hopeless situation. They were both really old. It was at the point of being impossible that they would ever have a child. Now, here's what you need to understand. In this culture, 
This was incredibly shameful to not have any children. They were considered to be cursed by God because of this. And they lived every single day with that shame. But they still kept going after God. They still kept going to the temple. They still kept believing. Maybe you're going through something that seems completely hopeless today. And you want to give up. You want to throw in the towel. I want to encourage you not to do that. Maybe you're going through something really similar to what Zachariah and Elizabeth are going through. And I just feel like God told me just to stay here for a little bit today and share this story with you. I was going through a season in my life where I wasn't sure if God was ever going to use me ever again. And I was reading a book about waiting on God through the storm and through difficult times. And I wanted God to speak to me through it. And as I'm reading it, God said, this is for a teacher that you had in your life a long time ago. And I want you to encourage her with what you read in this book. And I want you to say this, this, and this. And I said, God, I don't know if I can do that. I don't feel like I'm ready for that right now. And God would not let me go. And he reminded me of how much that teacher spoke into my life. That teacher believed in me in a time of my life where there weren't many people who did. Maybe a handful saw what God wanted to do in my life. And she told me things that I still remember to this day. She wrote me a card that said that God wants to use you in phenomenal ways. And that lack of discipline would like to steal from you, but God will have the final say in your life. That added so much to my life in a time where I wasn't sure where I was headed as just a senior in high school. And so I said, all right, God, I'll be obedient and I'll do this. And so I wrote her a letter. And I want to share just one paragraph. It ended up being really long. But on July 9th of that year, I wrote her this letter. And this was just one paragraph out of it. It said, in the waiting room of life, minutes seems like hours, right? Days feel like they go on forever. Feel, feels like you're waiting in the physical doctor's office and you're already two hours past appointment time. Like your name will never be called and you're just flat out tired. I think of Joseph in the Bible. He waited 13 years as a slave and then in prison. All the while God was working on him, preparing him for something great. I cling to Joseph's words in Genesis 50, 20. You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. His brothers intended to harm him. The devil intended to break him and his faith, yet God had another plan. God will use what you are going through to help many others who are hurting and bring them to the saving love of Jesus. He's also working on you and preparing you for something great, just like he was Joseph, even if you can't see it. I'm sure Joseph never could have seen himself going from slave to prisoner to second command in all of Egypt. Your answer is coming. Don't lose faith. She wrote back a day later, and she said, thank you so much for what you have wrote. I don't know if I will ever be able to express to you how much this means. My husband and I have been trying to have a child for a really long time now, and it is basically seems impossible. It seems like there is no way that we will be able to have a child and we are hurting very deeply. But your words have encouraged my heart and I will believe and I will hold faith. And I'm just summarizing. And we, we, we emailed back and forth a couple times. And, and after that, I, I kind of forgot about it. 
And that year, on October 14th, I got an email that said, God has answered our prayers. And not only did he answer her prayers, he gave her two children. He gave her twins. God saw that through. And if you are in in, in an impossible situation right now, I want to tell you, don't you dare believe the whispers that God has abandoned you, that he has forgotten about you. You will hear that things are impossible, but there is nothing that is impossible for our God. Don't you dare lose help. There will be lies that are sent from hell to discourage you, to break your faith, to get you to stop praying, but you believe You believe our God works in impossible situations. And we stand on that ground. And the Christmas story is a reminder to us that God will bring breakthrough on his time. So I wanted to share that story with you guys for anyone that is going through something similar to not lose hope today. I want to draw some parallels between Zechariah and the Jewish people. Zechariah was waiting for a child. The Jewish people were waiting for a Messiah. Both had been waiting a long time. At this point, both seemed impossible. But God was speaking again, and everything was about to change. Verse 8. Once, when Zechariah's division was on duty, and he was serving at the priest before God, he was chosen by lot, according to the custom of the priesthood, to go into the temple of the Lord and burn incense. And when the, king of the, burn, and when the time of the burning of the incense came, all the assembled worshipers were praying outside. Then an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing at the right side of the altar of incense. When Zechariah saw him, he was startled and grippled with fear. But the angel said to him, do not be afraid. Just to give you guys a little bit of insight right here. um, Angels aren't scary looking. The reason why people are afraid when they see an angel in scripture is because they have been in the presence of God and his glory begins to stick to them. And so when they see that, when humans look on that, the glory is so overwhelming. It is so breathtaking that they can't help but feel afraid because that's how amazing just being near to God makes the angels appear. Next verse. Zechariah, your prayer has been heard. Your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son and you are to call him John. Wouldn't that be so nice to hear? in the middle of what you are going through right now. If an angel came to you today and told you God has heard your prayer, you are going to have a son. And we would know this son as John the Baptist. And he was going to prepare a way for a baby that would be born just a little bit after him. He goes on to say, he will be a joy and a delight to you. And many will rejoice because of his birth, for he will be great in the sight of the Lord. He is never to take wine or fermented drink, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before he was born. He will bring back many of the people of Israel to the Lord their God, and he will go on before the Lord in the the spirit and power of Elijah and turn the hearts of the parents to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. He was going to get the people ready for Jesus to come. He was going to lead the charge. And so God started with this. And Zechariah replies, and Zechariah asked the angel, how can I be sure of this? I am an old man and my wife is well along in years. What a time to doubt, right? Here is an angel standing right before him telling him, this 
is going to happen. Yet he still doubts right here in the moment. And some of us just feel like if God could just give us a sign, then we would believe. But right here we see that he still got a sign and he still doubted. Sometimes faith is more powerful than getting a sign. It's believing when everything is against you. And this is how the angel replies. Then the angel said to him, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God, and I have been sent to speak to you and tell you this good news. And now you will be silent and not able to speak until this happens, because you did not believe my words. And so now, because he didn't believe what the angel said, he's kept completely silent until the baby will be born. And I love this next verse. Which will come true at their appointed time. This verse is so important. Because before you and I were ever made, God has an appointed time for every single breakthrough in our lives. He knows exactly when it is going to happen. When all of those Jewish people were waiting for 400 years, he knew and he was getting things ready behind the scenes for the world to be ready for Jesus to come. He knew the important time for it to happen. And he knows the appointed time in your life better than you and I do. He is going to produce so much more inside of us during that time than if we got it right away on our timing. And he is working and he is doing something. And I want you to tell you that there is an appointed time for your answer. And it will, won't be late and it will not be early, but it will be in the exact rhythm and the exact place that God has to land in. Because that's what our God does. Meanwhile, the people were waiting for Zechariah and wondering why he stayed so long in the temple. When he came out, he could not speak to them. They realized he had seen a vision in the temple, for he kept making signs to them, but remained unable to speak. This was the first game of charades ever played. <laughs> Verse 23, when his time of service was completed, he returned home. After this, his wife Elizabeth became pregnant and for five months remained in seclusion. The Lord has done this for me, she said. In these days, he has shown his favor and taken away my shame among the people. I want you to see this because it's so powerful. Through this baby, Elizabeth's shame was taken away. But a baby that was born just a couple of months later, the shame of the world would be taken away. Every wrong thing that you and I have ever done wiped away through this baby. This baby is more than that. He is our hope. He is our salvation. Everything we believe hinges on this. And he is for you. He sees you and what you are going through. In the times of waiting when you feel all alone, he is right there beside you. He hasn't forgotten about you. And he is our hope. It is the reason why we are not moved in these times. It's the reason why we can have peace when the waves of life are beating all around us. We remember that baby who is our hope, who has taken away our shame. He is everything to us. And it meant so incredibly much to Elizabeth that God had answered her prayer. It goes on. We're just going to read a couple of verses and I'm just going to read them quick for us. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, 
to a, a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. The angel answered, The Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she who said to be unable to conceive in her sixth month, for no word from God will ever fail. At this time, Mary got ready and hurried to a town in the hill country of Judea. When she entered Zechariah's home and greeted Elizabeth, when Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. In a loud voice, she claimed, blessed are you among women, and blessed is the child you will bear. But why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord should come to me? And as soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. Blessed is she who has believed the Lord would fulfill his promise to her. Here's what I want to tell you. Blessed are the ones who believe God's promise in the middle of uncertainty, who believe it regardless of what people say, what your circumstances say, who hold hope in the middle of the storm. That is what makes the power of darkness tremble when believers pray and worship and believe and have hope when things are dark. When there is a miracle that is needed, that is when hope kicks in. That's when it becomes real. And blessed is the one who believes anyway. I don't know what you're waiting on today. I don't know what you're going through. But we all have something. Do not believe the whispers and the lies that God has abandoned you. He is with you today. He sees it. You can have hope. This story should make something rise up in you to let you know that you are not alone. And God sees what you are going through. The Christmas story is always a reminder to us that our faith is never misplaced in our God. Even when things are silent, he's doing something and he's working behind the scenes in your life right now. He is making the puzzle pieces fit in ways that you haven't even dreamed about yet because that's who our God is. And here's the bottom line that I want you guys to catch. The Christmas story reminds us that there is always a reason to hold on to hope. And here's Here's what I want to tell you about hope. Hope means hoping when things are hopeless, or it is no virtue at all. As long as matters are really hopeful, hope is just mere flattery. It is only when everything is hopeless that hope begins to be a strength. I want to try and get through this part right here. Um, I want to look right into the camera for people that I love. That are watching at home. Hope becomes real when you are in a hospital room all by yourself. Hope becomes real when your husband, when your dad, when your best friend, when your pastor is having highs and lows. But hope is an anchor for your soul and it keeps you secure in place. It holds you tight and lets you know that God is going to have the final say. And we don't just hope to hope. Our hope is in the baby who was born, who would grow up to be a man, who would die for our sins to make everything possible on this earth. 
That's what our hope is in today. And it holds us secure. It keeps us going and fighting and believing and staring down our victory. Because of the baby that was born for us. That would become our everything. Hope is alive. Don't believe the whispers that God isn't there, that he doesn't believe. Don't believe that bad diagnosis today. You trust in the one who does the impossible, who still moves mountains, who parts Red Seas, who gives the barren woman a child, who works the impossible every single day. That's what we believe. And that's what we hold secure today. For our pastor, for all of you that are hurting today, God sees it all, and he will have the victory. We hold on to hope. It's an anchor for our soul. Let me pray for you. Jesus, thank you. God, we didn't deserve any of this. Don't deserve it. But we have hope today. God, I know that you are with Doug right now. You are holding him. I pray that you would give his body strength that you would breathe breath into his lungs, God. Thank you, God, that there is going to be so many amazing things that come out of it. But right now, God, we trust you with what we can't see and what we don't understand. But we know that you are good and that you heal and that you restore and that you redeem. Pray that you'd be close to Kelly and the kids today. God, encourage their hearts. God, God, we call down heaven today to move on to hug, Lord. I pray for everyone in this room, Lord, everyone in this room that has a major issue in their life, God, that just seems completely hopeless, that just complete, seems so dark that so many people have told them over and over again that it's impossible, that you would remind them, God, that you still do the impossible, that hope would overtake their heart today, Lord, and that their faith would be made strong in you, Jesus. We trust you with all that we have, God. We, we need you, Jesus. We cling to you today, God. You are our hope. You are our deliverer. You are our strength. You have taken our shame, God. You have restored us. Bring hope this Christmas season like never before, God. In the midst of a dark year, I believe that you have been working behind the scenes, God. I believe the greatest breakthroughs are coming for Christians, Lord. I believe that you are going to turn the tide this next year, Lord. God, I believe that you are going to do things because when things are at their darkest, Lord, you are still at work and you haven't forgotten about your people. We love you. We trust you. In your name we pray. Amen.